Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network, SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Meow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals. And let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. This is your host, Anna McDaniels, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of SoCal Sweat. Today, I'm going to be featuring the Asian playboy, JT Tran, aerospace engineer turned dating coach. He helps men everywhere learn how to properly approach and date women through his highly successful programs and seminars called the ABCs of Attraction. And as JT so humbly states, if a five foot five Asian guy can get women, anybody can. But you don't have to take my word for it. Here is a testimonial by Kevin Kreider, the reality star from Bling Empire, who took JT's programs. And here's what he says. today. I'm so excited to talk to him. He owns the company ABCs of Attraction, helping men marry and, and, and get better at dating, get, getting more prowess. And I met him because <laughs> I, was, I was a model and actress on one of his videos, and it was so interesting. And uh, I just want to know all about you, your background, your dating, and where you're from, and when did you fall in love with you know, the, the dating rituals and everything like that. Yeah, you were uh, an actress on one of the commercials that we did. Um, basically, more specifically, I help coach Asian men be successful with women of all races. So like the commercial that we did with you, you know, it was like you being a bomb bombshell, but also like Latinas and African-American women, because I want like Asian men who aren't used to dating American style right either because they suffered through racism growing up or moved here from asia like they aren't used to dating american women or you know because dating in asia is obviously slightly different and yeah it was just this call right where guys asian guys just had trouble and they started contacting me because i had gained a little bit of notoriety and one day this uh, Chinese Canadian mother called me up. She wanted me to help out her son who had been harassed by neo-Nazis up in Toronto. Um, and I told her, man, for three days and three nights, I'll be the big brother he never had. Because like dating is an oral tradition. Like we're not, men are simply born knowing how to date, especially in, you know, the technological times. Clearly, that we 
clearly. <laughs> so yeah, um, and just turned into this company, the ABCs of Attraction. Been traveling the world and helping uh, coach Asian men in a very holistic manner, right? A well-rounded way of improving themselves as well as being effective communicators and having the confidence to talk to women of all races. Absolutely. And I love your company and you, you have products and you have so many different programs, but you've really expanded it to multi, multi ethnicities because your coaches, according to your website, come, they come from everybody. Like you have Caucasian, African-American, Latin, and, and yourself. I mean, do you guys kind of work as a group in tandem or sort of split things up? Well, I run our flagship services, like what we call like a boot camp, and we have other programs, live programs. But our boot camps are the primary service. And then, you know, I'll teach that. And then I'll have coaches under me that will assist depending upon the size. And then other times, uh, depending upon the, like the service, if they want a one-on-one, sometimes they'll go with uh, a different coach depending upon like location. So we have like coaches that are spread out. Um, and, you know, for me, the way I select coaches is more based on not only just their ability, but their passion for helping students. So I've had like African-American, Caucasian, obviously Asian, but I select them because, you know, they understand what it's like to be like an underdog, to be someone who no one looks at with respect because they're kind of like, you know, uh, like a nerd or something like that. But they, ha- they have to come through that. Like, for example, I have a coach, he's an Air Force captain and he's currently stationed in Korea. He's Korean American, but he was fat as a child, like extremely like obese and he was made fun of. He even like contemplated suicide. He talks about this. And when he got into the military, he obviously got in fit shape. But, and like, when you look at him now, you wouldn't think he was ever fat because he's got like six pack abs and you throw him in a uniform, women are swooning all over him. But he understands what it's like. He wasn't someone that was just born like tall and handsome. He understands what it's like to be, you know, like a fat kid that gets bullied and picked on. You want someone that can meet you at that level, that can really empathize. Not someone that was just like born, as they say, with a silver spoon in their mouth. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, how did you get so good at it? Do you think you've always had sort of a gift? Was Is it kind of like that movie Hitch with Will Smith? I mean, where you are just like kind of born with that, you know, prowess and and the gift of of, of attracting women like bees to a honey? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, no. I am a nerd at heart. Literally, I, my, Which you is know, sexy. Studied... <laughs> you would think, you would think, yeah. right? Um, but I, I studied aerospace engineering, like literal rocket science, right? And but that made me like very technical prone, very analytical. I remember um, doing eHarmony. And this is like way back in the day, like I'm dating myself, right? Sure, Where sure. they gave you a personality test, right? You just didn't sign up. They gave you a personality test. And I remember signing up and all that to get a test. And then, you know, days later, I get a reply back like, hey, we have to cancel your membership, return your money because you're too analytical. We can't, we're not going to be able to find you a mate. <laughs> we're oh not going to find gosh. matches for you. Um, and for me, I did everything that, especially Asian culture says that an Asian man should do, which is get good grades, go to a good school, get a degree, get a good job, buy you know a, a nice car and get a house. And I, I essentially did all that. And it was like, 
automatically women are supposed to land in my lap. And I realized like nothing was happening. And the reality was that just made me normal, right? That just made like a normal guy with a career. It didn't make me special. It didn't make, give me an edge in the dating arena, especially as someone that's, you know, a short Asian guy like me. And with my intellect, I always like prided myself on my intellect. Like, you know, it's like, why can I not figure this out? I should be able to figure this out. You know, I figured out like, you know, aerospace engineering. Why can't I figure this atom. out? You know how to split the atom. Why can't you <laughs> yeah. launch rockets? I literally yeah. worked in mission control centers launching rockets, right? And I just, you know, it's it was so frustrating, right? And I started studying both psychology and what I call like pickup. And I realized that there's both an art and a science to communicating with people, communicating with women. And I just started going out there and kind of getting my social degree, if you will. And I started a blog called the Asian Playboy blog, which is like sex in the city, right? For Asian men. It was like sex in the city. I was like Carrie Bradshaw, but an Asian guy. Um, And then, you know, I I gained a following. And like I said, that's when the Chinese Canadian mother called me up to help out her teenage son. Now, that's kind of like the impetus. But no, I, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. I get drained when I have to go on stage or, you know, go socialize. But I'm a trained extrovert. I know how to do it now. I can, like, turn it on on demand. But no, I'm, I'm definitely an introvert. I actually prefer staying in and reading books. But I know how um, to go out. Uh, but especially after this past year, like, even staying at home, after a few months, I'm like, man, I'm getting cabin fever. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to go out and do something, meet some people. Um, so even though I'm an introvert, we are, as humans, you know, we're built to be with other people. Like, no man is an island, as they say. So even when you're, you're as intellectually prone as me, like, we are still driven to be with other people. Absolutely. And I love that you were able to figure everything out because it's like you, you said... Well, it's almost like A plus B equals C. And, it, and of course, you do formulas and you for, do formulations. And yeah. There's always an equal <laughs> amount. And in math and science, there is an actual answer. There isn't like a gray area, although science can kind of argue that, of course. But you, I was, I'm impressed that you were able to manipulate everything. Like knowing that you were an introvert, you trained yourself to be an extrovert, to go on stage and deliver and kill it. But at the end, you wanted to come in and be back in your hermit self and then analyze again. And it's, I think it's called um, introverted extroverts. Isn't there a, isn't there an actual term for those of us? Cause I'm very similar when I'm out and I'm an extrovert and I'm like, you know, kind of the thrill of the party, basically the star of the show, but I want to go back and be a hermit, like a crab. Um, I think there's something to be said for that personality type. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know the, the exact term, but there, a lot of my clients are very technical based. They come from like yeah. some tech background, IT, engineering, you know, where we're very left brain. So mm-hmm. when people talk about like, oh, you know, tap into your emotions. Like for me, I'm like, what the no. fuck does that mean? Sure. <laughs> what does that mean? Like I need some sort of understanding because we all have different love languages, right? Um, whether it's because we are very tech-based or even if coming from my Asian culture, like Asian families don't really say, I love you. It's not really part of, of our language for whatever reason, for culture, being immigrants or even like, you know, like Japanese is like the version of love is just different, right? And so when you're trying to apply kind of like Western dating on that, where it says, says, oh, just be a man, you know, get the girl. It's like, 
what the hell does that mean? Right? Exactly. And so I was able to kind of take a system that's well-rounded where it's not just about like lines or anything like that, but it's like your, your inner, what we call like inner game, outer game, verbal game, and you know, your, your thought process, your physical process and your verbal process and teach guys in a way that whether you're very left-leaning or right-leaning in your way of thinking, whether you're very instinctual or very analytical, I'm able to approach and coach them in the way that they learn the best. Because over time, like I've, you know, obviously practiced my communication skills, but also I've tried to improve my coaching skills. And over like past decade, I've learned that not all students are the same, right? Not all students are going to learn through a mathematical formula, but at the same time, a lot of students don't learn through the, oh, you know, just feel really good and girls will go come around you it's like what does that mean like how do you actually do that right right and don't you think the number one thing is confidence i i personally i love smart men i love left brain men i don't i don't care for i've never dated an artist i'm just not into that the right brain it's just it's not really me and i've always i've always dated engineers and um like chemical engineers, everything like that. It's always been my go-to with a couple like NFL players here and there, like, oh, you know, <laughs> athletes here and Get there. A couple of athletes of course, here right yeah. <laughs> and, and it's even better when they've, some of them have been athletes and engineers and things like that. So a mix, but don't you think the number one thing is confidence? I mean, yeah, confidence is definitely key, but it's understanding how to embody that because we're confident in different areas of our lives. We're not like confident 24 seven, sure, right? Sure. Um, and like the greatest, but also the most useless piece of advice is just be confident. Like just be yourself. Like again, what does that mean? Because let's say there's a guy and he's completely confident with his friends. He's completely confident at work, but when he's around a girl that he finds attractive, he becomes someone else. He becomes nervous, right? He, he might, uh, filter the way he talks to make sure that he doesn't offend her or anything like that. And he thinks he's being himself, but the reality, he unconsciously transforms his behavior. So how do we take that guy that's confident with his friends to be confident around a girl that he feels attracted to and invested to, right? Because there's a mental switch that happens, right? So that's part of that process. Yes, be yourself. Yes, be confident. But we have to understand that in different situations, Things happen to our body. Things happen to our brain that that switches into anxiety, right? Absolutely. And we have to work on like how to manage that anxiety. And I'm so glad you say that because I feel like sometimes you'll see a guy and then they'll come over and approach you, and all of a sudden they, they're just so odd and so awkward, and they say the weirdest things. <laughs> and it's like, why would you say that to me? And it wouldn't even make sense. But maybe you're right. Maybe just seeing a woman just kind of like makes them feel like insecure and not themselves. And they end up coming across creepy and gross when they're probably not that way at all. I feel like I have to give men benefit of the doubt a lot of the times because of the way they come across initially. Yeah. Um, well, part of it is because dating culture has changed so much through the, like the past generations and generally for the better, because, you know, dating back in the twenties or something like that, where like women didn't have as much rights where you were like, extremely dependent upon finding a man to even open a banking account like you had to get a man and so a woman's dating options were very limited so a man could just be a complete oaf and still get the girl now 
us guys, we're approaching you where you are, are equal, but that means we have to step up, up our game. And this is also true of my students who come from Asia. Like I have like Asian students, I call them like sons of communist generals, right? <laughs> they are the peak male over there, right? Girls are throwing themselves all over him because you know, it comes from a, you know, a wealthy family, family yeah. wealthy, you know, he's, he's got Lambos and stuff like that moves over here and he's a nobody, right? right? He's, a, he's an absolute nobody. And just being a man, just being a male is not enough to get a girl. And so you have to adjust. And a lot of guys don't realize that or they've never been taught that by their peers or, you know, movies or whatever, you know, whatever means of education that are out there. Um, so that's part of what I do is try to teach and coach our guys to convey their personality like to, how do you in, in business marketing terms how do you package yourself so that the girl wants to date you you know and it's like you want to be like as i say what is like seinfeld like you're uh you're sending your best representative sure right yeah uh, yep. i love that and i i love that you touched on just you have to be more male than you were over there. And I think, and, and just, or just kind of today, in today's day and age, women are CEOs. We can have our own babies if we want to. We don't even need a man. We really don't. And I mean, I hate to even say that, but how do you coach some guys? Because I hate to say this, but I just feel like men have become quite soft. And if I, when I've dated, I feel sometimes that I'm almost have a more masculine energy than the guy. However, I don't mean to stereotype again, but I am in Los Angeles. And there are a lot of, I don't, I don't want to, again, I don't want to stereotype, but maybe some entitled types of people again, and that, that exists everywhere, but it even shows in science. And I do a lot of um, studying of science, especially in the fitness and exercise realm, lowered testosterone in men. I mean, there, you can get an 80 year old man. He has a stronger grip strength and testosterone level in his body than men do today. However, a lot of libido and testosterone comes from progesterone, which is turn to estrogen from stress and that affects a lot of men in this day and age so do you see perhaps kind of the the alpha male manliness going down a bit and excuse me if i'm being I'm, i don't mean to stereotype and i it's blanketed but as a woman we talk amongst ourselves as oh my gosh can this person be a little tougher yeah well this is part of how dating has changed so much over time um it's generally like you know obviously with women achieving more equal rights it's benefited you but it does mean men are having to play this balancing act right i simply can't go up to you and say like hey you have to marry me because you have absolutely no choice like you can't own any property without a man so if you're going to marry me you have no choice about the matter right and so sometimes i think that we have a nostalgic look at the past to say like, oh, that's what a real man was. I was like, yeah, maybe, but it depended upon a certain class of people being at the bottom, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, when it comes to like testosterone, I think that comes into fitness and that's a very American thing where they say something like, what is it, like almost half of Americans, I forget the exact decision, but it's pretty high, are obese. And so that definitely comes with like the fitness and nutrition. Um, so it's important to, to be healthy, obviously, whether it's just having more testosterone or just being better in bed. So that's important. But I also say that there are 
different forms of masculinity around the world, right? Um, like in Asia, one thing that's popular is sort of like that kind of like that K-pop male aesthetic. That's very popular over there. It's not popular here. It's not going to be like, you know, despite the fandom that exists around K-pop, like girls aren't going to throw themselves on Asian guys that look like that here in America. Overseas, yes, it is very popular. But I'm just saying that that's a viable aesthetic if a man chooses that, and that's not a big deal because the aesthetic changes with generations, right? It's not like one culture, one generation is universal through all of time in the globe, right? And I think that um, it's important to, you know, with American style dating, understand what American women are looking for, which, like you said, is for a man to be have more leadership qualities. Uh, to be more outgoing, to be the one that does the approach, sure, right? Sure. Um, and so, you can't, you know, you can't depend upon other dating cultures if you're dating here in America, right? Exactly. So, you know, it is it is still very expected of an American man to be more of a take charge when it comes to dating. And back to I was going to touch on back to your K-pop. I have several friends that are obsessed with BTS. Um, and the lead singer, and it's just, <laughs> it, 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 it almost reminds me of like glam rock from the from the eighties and nineties, like when they wore all the makeup. But they're beautiful. They're beautiful, and they're talented, and that's just yeah. I mean, even yeah, even if you look at the American male aesthetic uh, over time, has has changed and evolved, but it's also like circled back. Sure. Right. There was a time where it was like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Stallone, and then you had like you said. Glam rock, hair and chic, you know, uh, grunge, you know, skater, Eva, and then it'll circle back to like six pack abs. And it, yeah, and it'll, it'll, it's just the nature of just human nature is like for uh, you know for for a certain look, it'll be exciting, and then it'll go stale, and then it'll go to a new a new evolve look. You know, what is old is new again. It's just right. like the fashion. What was in the 70s is now considered vintage, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. No, good, good, um, good learning. Now tell tell the audience about your products. I mean, you have text to sex, you have um uh modern Asian man and practical day game. What has been the most popular and how would you break down those products? Well, our most popular honestly is our flagship service, what we call our premium boot camps. Right. Um, those are live training, live coaching, where we actually meet up in real life uh, and give you training because because this is communication. This is communicating with people in real life. And that's essential is to to do live training. Um, we do have like digital products, like you say, text to sex, uh, the modern Asian man, um, practical day game. But that's more of a supplement. Right. So I just find it more rewarding personally, as well as more effective to help and coach people in real life. Absolutely. Do you do kind of role play situations? Yeah, um, because people learn through different methods. People learn through writing. People learn through kind of like play acting or seeing someone and then repeating the action itself. So like on a lot of, of, of our boot camps, um, what we'll do is have a you know a wing girl you know and they will practice approaching her practice being rejected or practice trying to get her number or practice just having a conversation so that way 
you know, they can do it in a safe dry run environment before we take them out in real life at nighttime or daytime and talk to girls, right? So uh, it's role modeling and play acting is a useful teaching device for sure. Absolutely. So you do in fact do kind of the classroom and then you also take them out at night and you do the whole real experience situations. Oh, absolutely. Like I go so for like fun. the full, like the, the full Asian education experience. I, I give them a pre boot camp home study course, right? Uh, which is like homework and everything like that. And then the classroom, which is PowerPoint charts and like a 200 page workbook and that, that has like quizzes in it. Then we actually take them in, in real life. And then afterwards is like courts work. Like I know my students, they're Asian. So we give them a lot of homework to, to be as prepared as possible. Oh, that's so amazing. It's incredible. Do you, do you have a lot of um, LGBTQ in your courses? I have taught um, a few. They are obviously not uh, your our predominant clientele. Sure. Uh, we are definitely both more about teaching like, you know, men of color, heterosexual men. But I have taught uh, a gay Asian man as well as like a gay Asian woman. Um, and there are obviously similarities as well as differences. I'm not going to obviously pretend to be an expert, but yeah, you know, but one, in the one, end, love is love, and, and what you're yeah. talking to is attractive. So you're well, definitely one thing that that was that was similar was there is always that racial element, right? In, the, in like the gay community, my sister was like saying, yeah, you know, like gay Asian men face definite stereotypes when it comes to dating, right? Danger, dangerous too. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I've also taught like women too, and that was that was fascinating. I was asked to teach like a, a book club of predominantly women of color, and it was really fascinating because they were, you know, guys can be nervous practicing approaching a girl, you know, even when it's a wing girl. But when we did it with with these girls practicing approaching like a guy, they refused to do it. They were they were terrified, like they were they were like they had no experience no frame of reference as to even how to approach a guy. Sure. And they were gay or they were straight? They were straight. Okay, interesting. So you do see a lot more women coming into your programs. Yeah, I mean, if they come to us, it's definitely, again, not our forte. Yeah. But um, communication is communication. It's just a matter of, of me uh, being flexible in the coaching material uh, to cater to, to the particular you know clientele. Okay, then I do have a question specifically on that. I have a really good girlfriend in New York City and she wants to approach a guy. And although they've been flirting, I kind of said, no, I think you should wait for him to approach you. And she's like, no, it's, it's a modern day and age. Why can't I ask him out? Do you think there's a danger in that? And I know that women do ask men out and, it's, and it turns out to be very successful. But at the end of the day, if you look at our true nature of we are all animals, do you feel as if a heterosexual male may feel that he kind of like, well, the, the thrill of the game, the thrill of the hunt, I didn't even get to have that because she asked me out. And then do you feel that he may think, well, I didn't I didn't have to try hard to get her, so she's not as special in my mind, maybe. It's almost like that big 50-point buck that you get if you're a hunter. Yeah. You know, do you think there's an, a danger in that? Because women always struggle with that. It can definitely be something that, that happens. It's important to understand what type of guy that she's pursuing or she's interested in. If it's a guy that is already successful with women, then yeah, that's, that is definitely like a danger 
because he's successful with girls, whether it's because he knows how to get girls or he has a lot of girls that come up to him, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I have had a friend, he was like a male model. And by, like, by the age of 18, he had slept with like 100 girls, right? It was like crazy. And he was like saying to me, like, JT, like, why do you ever study pickup? Like, I've never been rejected in my entire life. It's like, it's because you never approach women. Like, I literally go, like, all they do, like, women would just kind of flock to him, mm-hmm. right? And then he would just go home with the girl that was the most throwing herself on him. <laughs> the sluttiest, well, never the sluttiest made... of the slutty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not judging, you know, but it, it's, for him, he would always choose, like, the, the lowest hanging fruit so to speak, right? What was easiest, but he wasn't really wasn't looking for a relationship. And so for someone like that, someone that is pursuing him, you could have that mentality that you're just talking about. Sure. But let's say it's a, like an average guy that doesn't have a ton of experience. He's not a player or anything like that. Then it would be more of a novel experience. It could be like, he could feel special, like potentially like, wow, like this girl really likes me and she's hitting me over the head. So, you know, if you're just judging by like efficaciousness, what is the most effective? It it depends on the type of guy that she's attracted to. If it, like I said, if it's a guy that's already successful, then she probably might want to play a slower, like teasing game. But if it's a guy that's kind of like average or not just average, but someone who isn't heavily experienced, her taking the first step might very well seal the deal, so to speak. And what you said, the earlier one is that he's a celebrity. And so he's very successful and gets a lot of women. And so I have yeah. given her the advice, basically what you said as no, just play it coy, be your funny self, be your goopy self, you're, you're beautiful. You don't need to sell yourself at all. It will happen if it's supposed to happen, but she's bound and determined to go after it. But I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I'm like, you got to listen to JT Tran of the ABCs of attraction. So anyway, that's, and can I just ask you, why do men, and I, I don't mean to bring myself into it, but just men become sort of absurdive and controlling. Um, I don't care for that. No, it just, they seem to be, um, once, once you, once you show in, you know, you're kind to them, but you're not interested. And then they kind of get obsessed and then they keep coming back, coming back almost to the point of danger. Have you seen that in any of your courses or guys like, why, why does it, why can't I maybe struggling with the fact that the girl just is not interested, but they keep going and it's coming across as dangerous. Yeah. I I think that there are guys that don't understand like the purpose of rejection or being able to put themselves in women's shoes because dating for women is potentially like physically dangerous. Very much so. like assault and all of that. And the men, they potentially coming from a world, a frame where they have no, no options of connecting romantically, emotionally, or physically with women. So they be, they can potentially be, be become dangerous. It's important for guys that are struggling to understand like a rejection is you know, it's a step closer to yes with someone else, right? Maybe that it's not meant to be with this one girl and that's fine. You know, that you take that experience and you create a constructive positive experience the way you look at it so that you can become better. Like, did you do something wrong? Is there something that you improve upon? Maybe it was your body language. Maybe it's the way that you spoke. Maybe it's the way that you carried yourself, right? 
And so that way, the next time you approach another girl and you might get another step closer to yes or even like a yes. Sure. Um, but definitely, it, 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 it's coming from a, like that, that, that frame, like he's at his, he's got no other options. And so someone like that who can't take no for an answer, you know, you definitely have to watch out for someone. It's not even just sometimes desperation plays a part, but also there are men who just feel entitled to it because they come from a social strata where they get what they want regardless. And so they are not used to that no, right? So it can come from either extremes. That's the problem. And you just wait what you said, especially if they're coming from an Asian country and they have the Lambos, they've been given everything and they are at the top of their game or just American guys that have everything. And if you say no, they're just, there's not a way to handle it. But I like what you said. And I think as a woman, we have to kind of find that kindness yet not mean because that can really make someone snap. But I just, I just feel like in this day and age, dating is quite dangerous. And my friend the other day went out with a guy and he picked her up in his truck in LA of all places. He had a big, big, like huge truck. And we, we were very impressed with that because you're originally from Texas, aren't you? So you can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but we were all like, he picked you up? You didn't meet him there? We were all shocked. <laughs> and, and, and so I just kind of thought, gosh, what a change where our mothers were, were picked up by a man. And in and, and, and most, probably most states in the U.S., I think maybe on the coastal areas, it's a little more dangerous. I'm not sure. But, um, and even getting in, into an Uber can be, I mean, anything can be dangerous, really. But we were all so shocked and we kind of laughed like that we were shocked about that. And she goes, guys, it was fine. It was fun, you know? That's just, I'm a little more old fashioned that way. And that is good. But um, I don't know, do you think that, and, and how has dating changed during the pandemic? And did you get a lot of business during the pandemic? I think the pandemic definitely changed a lot of things. Like obviously there weren't as many social events. So, you know, we had to adjust for that. So what we started doing is concentrating more on like what we call like our day game online program where we would teach our guys like how to approach women during the day. And as well as like do like part, as part of the program, like a photo shoot where they could have like really uh, aesthetic photos to use in their online dating profile, like how to be successful on online dating. So was de- there was definitely an adjustment, right? Where where the nightlife was closed down, people weren't going out. And so you, you had to go to where you could find people. But definitely, you know, now that Los Angeles has been reopening the country has been reopening it definitely feels like the roaring 20s like like people are like super friendly like there when i've been going out just to test the waters and like there have been women that are just coming up to me <laughs> like I they're starved for like social affection social interaction so but that's because yeah. you have the abcs of attraction you have the know-how so people need to buy your product <laughs> yeah <laughs> no that's really great and do you have a girlfriend right now or married no, um, I don't know if marriage is for me. Like, me I'm not against it. JT, yeah. you're speaking my language. I, I've never wanted to. <laughs> Even when I was a child, I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. kind of dream of like, and they have baby dolls and everything like that. I, I didn't. Uh, I had Barbies and I would make them, I would dress them to go out. And we would like say hi to Ken, but we would kind of leave Ken and we would go and do our own thing. <laughs> and we had careers. That's just, and that's so, it's so funny, but I, I knew as a child, but I also, I think if you come from a certain environment and maybe don't potentially see a happy marriage, 
I mean, that's that's certainly in my case. Um, right, right. Well, the thing is, like, for me, like, I've got two brothers. They're both married and have kids, so that kind of pressure isn't on me. But you can be the and, fun. Like, I, yeah, I'm not against marriage. I mean, if it if it happens, it happens. But I'm I'm not someone that's like I have to be married, you know. Um, yeah, it, it's it's like I'm not against it, but I'm not looking for it. Yeah. Sure. But some people are so diehard, especially a lot of my 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 girlfriends. Just like I want to be married, I want a ring on my finger, and I want to be like someone said, I want to be barefoot and pregnant on the couch with my husband rubbing my feet. <laughs> like she and she was crying, and it's like that depiction. I was like, oh my god. We would never fight about each other's lives. I, I guess I thought, why am I not thinking that way? Why don't I want that? What's wrong with me? And there's nothing wrong. We, like you said, we have love languages and we have different things that we want. Um, my biggest love language is don't be jealous. I need non-jealousy. I need complete independence. I'm Leonard Skinnerd Freebird. Do not ask me where I'm going, what I'm doing. You should be able to trust me. And you, you kind of gloss over all the love languages in your in your courses. I mean, I address it, uh, you know, like the five different love languages, um, because it's important for the student to understand or try to empathize, put himself in other people's shoes. Because sure. there are things that he or like I myself um, find rewarding, but it's not the same as like say this this person, this this girl, right? What what she would find attractive is going to be the same thing, and so you have to be able to to bridge that gap. Like for me, you know, especially being raised in the culture that I was, like, let they say words of affirmation, right? Like, to, I love you and all that kind of stuff. That doesn't really mean much to me, right? Saying the words don't mean much to me, but acts of service or, or touch, uh, you know, things like that, that means a lot more to me, you know? But at the same time, I can't always expect someone that I'm dating is the same way. Maybe to them, they need to hear that. And so if I understand that, I would try to to fulfill that emotional need. Right? Absolutely. And when you say that, because um, I am I myself, I'm, I'm Eastern European in, in background. So when you said that Asians don't really profess their love to each other within the family, Eastern Europeans are very similar that way, kind of like a little bit hardened. Did you find even initially with dating, that it was hard for you to say. I mean, even and and we, I think we all know that the first time you say "I love you" shouldn't be taken casually. I mean, right. was that even hard to do when you were in love with that person, just to profess that and or to hear that from the other person? Yeah, it wasn't something that I was experienced in. Absolutely. I mean, I happened to be lucky enough that I got a college girlfriend, so I actually that was like the only relationship I ever had, and she chose me. Like, she hit me over the head that she liked me. Uh, like you're saying like I had no idea like it was the first kiss ever first love um so it was very new and I'm thankful for that because it helped me understand what well, like a, a pretty healthy relationship was or at least I had something to compare it to compared to any kind of maybe toxic ones that I went into um but also understanding that that people are hungry for for different ways of of what they find with love because again it does, you know, I like, I, it's as nice if someone compliments me, you know, or like, I love you, but it, it, it doesn't really, you know, get me charged up. I just recognize it. It's, it's a nice compliment. Thank you very much. But at the same time, like, again, I understand that other people, it's important. Yeah. So I try to you know, match that need. That's very interesting. Well, um, before we advertise your, your business, I, I want to touch on, there's a very 
hot topic in the news right now. And that is Asian racism. And just in, because you work with primarily Asians and you yourself are Asian, what can you inform us about proper things to say, what to stay away from, how to maybe notice certain dangers or notice that someone's being bullied and how to step in and how to just be kinder as non-Asians? Yeah, it's been unfortunate, but there's been a rise, uh, forget the statistics, something like a thousand percent or something like that. Crazy. Starting like, you know, um, 2020 and it's like, you know, just kept on going up. And a lot of that has to do with like uh, the rhetoric uh, in general, or the global discourse, but also especially around COVID. So like Asian stereotypes went from we're Kung Fu or we're asexual to, hey, we're also walking diseases, yep. right? And in particular, it has unfortunately targeted like our Asian elders, like our grandmothers. It's like, really I'm crazy. Like, yeah, I was like, worried with like my mom, you know, like she, even she knew like if she walked around in a face mask in Texas, she might get jumped, right? So, you know, talk to her about that. And important to recognize that the physical, I mean, because a lot of times it's like physical assault, robbery of elders, and just, I guess, watching out for someone that's trying to pick on like a little old Asian lady or a little old Asian man, you know? Like even myself going out, I'm, I've always been aware of racism. I've always been aware of like, guys would intentionally target me if I was with like a white girl or a black girl, you know? Just not, not like to fight me, although that's happened, but like just to harass okay. or make fun of me. Like I remember during the pandemic going on in a date and and sitting at a, a table with this blonde girl and like the, the host sat down like these three white guys behind us. And the entire time I knew something was going on behind me. Right. I knew just by the way she was, you know, her, her, her eyes were her kind gaze. of like, yeah. Yeah. And then later on, like she told me like, yeah, those guys were trying to like, I code me like going like, you need to get out of here. What are you doing? For, you know, kind of oh down. Right. Um, they would definitely never done that before like a white guy. Um, and so like for me, just it's to be aware, you know, have a, have a certain situational awareness. Like even some of my coaches during the height of the pandemic with their students, were being denied entry into certain establishments because they saw they would see a group of Asian people and be like, no, they, they, while at the same time letting people in, right? Even though they get like a table or something like that, right? So, you know, it's to be aware, you know, uh, as they say, have a certain situational awareness. When you left the restaurant, did you turn around and sort of acknowledge them and kind of like be big man on campus? Like, listen, I'm not, I'm not intimidated by you. Or would that have been something that you potentially feared? And was this in Texas or was this in LA? This is in LA. Okay. Um, I mean, I just, when we were getting a, an Uber back to my place, you know, I just like, you know, I knew something was going on, but at the same time, like I wasn't like insecure about it. Cause I, you know, I had her pretty well entertained, you know, we were sure. like having a really good time. But I knew something was going on and then it's kind of burst in like, yeah, she told me it's like, yeah. And then I just kind of like dismissed it. I mean, you don't want to treat things like that. You don't want to be insecure about that. And fuel the fire. But did she yeah. potentially kind of, did you guys kind of change your body language so that she wasn't looking at them or, or maybe you were blocking her eyes so they weren't just to kind of change the situation? Yeah. I mean, the way it was is we had already like set up 
or, or been set up at our table and the way we, we sat. You like originally, like we were like off to the side and we were like almost in a corner. And then for whatever reason, even though the entire restaurant was full, and remember this is like during the pandemic. So you were supposed to like literally she sat them behind us or like specifically behind me. Perhaps but, they asked her to do that. Who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna, you Conspiracy know. Conspiracy theory, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I did, like I said, I knew something was going on. And so in that moment, like, I, like I said, I kept her well entertained. Like, I noticed she, she would look, but like, we were having a good time, laughing a lot, holding hands. Like, we were having a good time. I just knew, like, I mean, you know, things went well with us, like, at the end of the night. So I knew it was a distraction. They were a distraction. They weren't a problem. They were just a distraction. So. But I'm sure she was very attracted to the fact that you didn't need to be defensive. And here you are getting in an Uber back to your place. So clearly you did something yeah. right. Yeah, but that's and that's yeah. just and that's just a minor example, but very but you handled it well. Other people may not have been able to do that and then it could have turned in, into a bad situation. Especially if there's three of them and one of you. But um I'm sure it did make you like a little irritated, but uh you know how to handle yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but I've had to deal with that. You know, because I date outside of my race, like, you know, um, it, it happens and it happens whether I'm dating a, a white girl or a black girl or whatever, you know. And so I've learned how to to navigate that situation and hopefully a, a, a safe way. And it is something that I, I coach my students in, like how to deal with guys uh, that might try to, you know, cock block or interfere in a, in a safe you know, manner. Sure. And my multiracial dating and, and marriage is although it's 2021, still seems to be like there's always some kind of a comment. Like there's a news anchor who's African-American and his wife is white. And they have just a set of, you know, I think they have three children that are, you know, mixed race. And he said, what bothers him is that they'll be at the park with a bunch of different kids and people will come up to them and say, your kids are so well behaved. And he goes, I know in my mind that my kids are just as well behaved as the other kids in the park, but they come up to us because it's like, oh, shocking that these kids would be well behaved. Like there's just, just, and he's, and they're upstanding, intelligent, both educated news anchors, both of them. And it's just like, there always has to be some kind of a comment or stereotype. And um, do you find that you've maybe heard that and was your first girlfriend in college, Caucasian or black or Asian? Yeah, she was Caucasian. She was like a, a tall, blonde, blue eyed girl. And like I said, she chose me, it was just, complete shock to me right not to me um but it's like that that cognitive dissonance when they see something that they don't expect it it really like surprises them like it's at the forefront of their mind even and in 2021 they, it shouldn't be surprising yeah, but right. when they see you know a short asian guy like me with like a tall black or blonde girl it, it's shocking to them right um and the thing is like as much as we think oh it's 2021 things are progressed and different like it wasn't that long ago. I forget the exact year. It's like in the 2000s still, where there was a judge. I forget which state. It was like a southern state that blocked an interracial marriage. Right? It wasn't that long that you know Chinese men could not marry American women. Like, and there was like this this documentary of this Canadian woman who lost her Canadian citizenship because she married an Asian man. And, you know, that wasn't like hundreds of years ago. That's sure. within our generation, so. That is true, and you make a good point because I even going to Georgia last year, I mean, I mean, I was in Atlanta, but then I went to the outskirts, you would have thought it was the 1940s. I mean, it was just like unbelievable, just the way that 
just the n-word was heard several like several times i mean it's just it's so shocking when you hear that but you're right and i and i and because we live in a big city i think we take it for granted but you're very right so yeah i i was raised in the south so yeah. <laughs> like I'm, I'm i'm used to it so i'm not you know sure. it's unfortunate but you have to learn how to navigate it navigate it in a in a safe manner yeah you know but also hopefully in a maybe a like successful manner too exactly do you think asian do you think it's getting better with asian stereotypes especially with a lot of the celebrities coming forth and being oh, no. no no <laughs> it was for a little bit a period of time yeah. there were like a bit more shows and more movies but i would say i have never seen as much racism than when i was a here now than when i was a kid when it was like because I'm Vietnamese, like, you know, kind of there was that anti-Vietnamese sentiment because of From Vietnam War. Yeah. Right. But like in the 80s, it was like also vehemently anti-Japanese uh, because like there's like, oh, the Japanese are stealing our jobs. So there's a, like a lot of violence against Asians in general. Sure. So growing up in that environment, that was like peak anti-Asian, right? I We're now at that point, again, if probably higher now. All this sort of like the, the media progress mm -hmm. which is nice you know sure it's nice you know but TV it's fluff at the end of the day it's fluff yeah really. like let's be let's, you know like honestly you know even if you look african-american progress in the media you know as much progress as it's been there we as an american society still struggle with the question of race because we've never historically dealt with it reconciled with it like as other countries have it's always been kind of like brushed under, you know, the rug or even lionized, where it's like, oh, you know, Confederate, you know, slave culture, it's, it's you know, it's, it was a good thing. It's like, you know, the programs in, in Texas that made it seem like, you know, Confederacy and slave owning was, was good, right? Uh, we've never really dealt with that as a culture. Yeah, it's the uh, the anti-Asian sentiment has definitely gone a lot higher than it's higher than even when I was a kid growing up and what I at the time considered like peak anti-Asian sentiment. I'm sorry for that, but honestly, that's that's another opportunity for you to grow your business and because I think your business is very important, obviously in dating and in happiness and love and things like that. But this is something that you're very educated on and you have experience in and you can really counsel people on with great examples and maybe role playing with that as well because if they were to even like double duty it where they'd be on a date with perhaps a um, an asian male with a caucasian girl african-american girl or latina girl or or asian girl again that could be you could kind of help them in, in these dangerous situations like like the way you handled yourself beautifully with these three white guys a lot of people wouldn't have been able to do that so i think your business has even more opportunity to grow with that extra oh, absolutely i mean there's i've definitely been reached out guys that are extremely concerned about the environment and it's important to know how to safely deal with it like i said you know in these interactions and it's something that you know i i, I teach you know it's like you know tr to try to um be aware of it and then try to like navigate and deal with it in a in a safe manner it's it is sort of like they say the cost of doing business just the act of going out might make you a target or the act of meeting people might make you a target the act of you know going on a date with someone might make you a target so it's important to know how to deal with it in a, in a safe uh manner absolutely well thank you for the great work you do and so before I let you go, I want to, I'm, I mean, of course, plug everything, all your websites and all your social media in the notes, but could you give maybe, maybe your top three tips to guys in successful dating? 
Top three tips. Well, specifically to my Asian brothers out there, I always say be successful because you're an Asian man and not in spite of it. Don't try to be like the guys like, oh, I'm I'm gonna be as you know whitewashed Asian. No, you don't have to do that. You can be successful because you're a successful, confident Asian man. There's no need to try to you know cater towards you know like being like I'm gonna be a white bro because that's what I see in successful on TV. But no, be successful because of who you are, not in spite of that. Secondly, is reframe negative experiences into something positive and constructive, right? Because there's one thing that you are going to experience in life is failure. We all experience failure, but what you do with that failure is what's going to differentiate long-term success or long-term failure. Right? If you're able to take an experience and use that to make you more educated, to make you more resilient, to make you more motivated, you're going to be more successful because we all experience failure. You experience failure. I experience failure. Right. But I try not to look at it as failure. I try to look at it as, as fuel to drive me. Always be willing to step outside your comfort zone. Always be willing to do something that you're not used to, whether it's to say hello to a girl or to befriend someone that you might not expect or to go and do something or to travel, go to a new venue, right? Be willing to step outside your comfort zone and expand your frame of reference to the world. Because a lot of guys, especially like my students who are highly educated, but they're only used to this particular slice of life. They never woke up and smelled the roses, so to speak. So their frame of reference when it comes to life experience is very limited. Right. And so you got to push yourself regardless of whatever sort of emotional discomfort that might bring you because our progress as humans is outside of our comfort zone. It's outside of our normal, you know, homeostasis, right? It's, it's what we do when we're uncomfortable is how we grow. That's where the growth happens. You're so right. Every podcast says that. And then two more questions. Number one is what, what is your favorite? What was your favorite cheat food during the pandemic? <laughs> Cheat food. Um, actually, just I just cook more at home. To be honest, Anything like specific? I actually, I uh, cooked. Oh, like my Mongolian wok. You ever do like the Mongolian wok where yes. they you have like the noodle and you choose that? So I actually started doing that. Like it's so really you hot. Buy the ingredients and you barbecue it. You know, instead yeah. of like ordering it out. Um. Oh, I did like you know did Korean barbecue. You know, by go to the, the Asia store, get the Korean barbecue marinade and like how to do Korean barbecue HK at home. HK Market, HK Market, I'm there yeah, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, those were like gold during the pandemic because like, you know, everyone's, you know, tried to stay safe. Um, and like the food wasn't like wiped out because like only the Asian shop there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can find toilet paper there. <laughs> For sure. And they have good stuff there. And then finally, yeah. what's your recommended best Vietnamese restaurant in Los Angeles? Ah, uh, see, that's the thing is the really good Vietnamese is it down in Orange County. Oh, I wouldn't, oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, because the thing is like the most of the um, pho restaurants, Vietnamese restaurants are in Koreatown. Mm-hmm. And they're owned by Koreans. And nothing wrong with that. Right, but it's a but little it's bit. Like, it's not quite as good as like what, what my, <laughs> you know, what mom used to make, right? Yep. Um, other like pho, pho rage, pho rage, pho rage. Oh, I've um, seen that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
that's more of a I'd almost call it like hipster Vietnamese. I think that's that's a, like an actual Vietnamese owned business, I believe. Um, they don't do like old school Vietnamese food. It is like modern fusion. I think they're a little bit more hipstery, but I've been eating there and that's pretty good too. Awesome. But it, like for me, like I, you know, I enjoy like old school because that's what my mom made. Old school Vietnamese Absolutely. food. Absolutely. And when it's a hole in the wall, even better. But we'll go to Little Saigon in, in New Orange County. That is a good, good, um, good reference. Well, thank you for that because I mean, the popularity of pho is huge, but I love Vietnamese food because people don't realize how fresh and clean it is really mm -hmm. healthy so from a fitness podcast nutrition podcast i definitely recommend vietnamese food i love asian food but you can't put all asian food into one thing just like you just oh, yeah. like you said you know the koreans are making the pho they can of course you know yeah. as, as, as united states citizens we can make japanese food but to get the sushi yeah, that, that comes from Tokyo, you know. yeah exactly so that's awesome good advice well thank you so much and can you plug just verbally all of your websites and and your um social media yeah, again, my name is JT Tran, uh, founder of the ABCs of Attraction, USA's number one Asian dating coach. Our website is just abcsofattraction.com. That's abcsofattraction.com. And you can also find us on YouTube where there's like a ton of free videos and material and educational and fun, entertaining, you know, uh, videos for you to watch. Love it. Well done, you Asian playboy. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on your show, your podcast. I appreciate it. And that... Asian playboy, JT Tran of the ABCs of Attraction, helping men everywhere achieve love, romance, and great success and happiness in life. We appreciate you for listening, and please rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Luminary, Tuned In, or at Bleed.com. You can reach out to me for any questions or topics that you'd like covered on the show at Ann McDaniels or at Ann McDaniels Address. And I will see you next time on So Cal Sweat. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.